This episode, we're focusing on the editorial for the April 2023 edition of Socialist Revolution, issue 39, which takes up the indictment and arrest of Donald J. Trump, formerly the most powerful man in the world, which has poured even more fuel into the dumpster fire of U.S. politics. America will never be a socialist country. 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 Attitudes are changing towards socialism. We believe the only solution is the establishment of a workers' government on a socialist program. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Socialist Revolution podcast. My name is John Peterson. I'm the executive editor of Socialist Revolution magazine. You can visit our website at www.socialistrevolution.org. Every episode, we feature contributions and discussions on current events, history, and theory from a Marxist class struggle perspective, featuring revolutionary socialists from around the country and around the world. For the first time in American history, criminal charges have been filed against the former president of the United States. The fact that Trump is the current frontrunner for the 2024 Republican nomination sends the country even deeper into unprecedented and uncharted waters as the crisis of the regime intensifies. After weeks of speculation and heightened security on New York City streets, a Manhattan grand jury indicted Trump on March 30th and he was arraigned on April 4th. Unsurprisingly, Trump pleaded not guilty to all 34 charges. If convicted, he could face up to three years in prison, although sentencing would be at the court's discretion and no prison time is guaranteed. But even if he is convicted, he could run for and serve as president, although being in prison might complicate things somewhat. This comes fast on the heels of a stream of other unprecedented firsts. From the COVID crisis to the Ukraine war, Sanders' campaigns to Trump's victory, the BLM uprising, and the 2020 electoral chaos, along with the subsequent riot on January 6th at the Capitol. Trump's indictment is just another sign of the growing instability of U.S. bourgeois politics as we enter deeper into the 2020s. Now, prosecutors allege that Trump repeatedly and fraudulently sought to undermine the integrity of an election by orchestrating an unlawful scheme to hide damaging information from the voting public. The charges stem from hush payments made on the eve of the 2016 election to adult film actress Stormy Daniels, Playboy model Karen McDougal, and a Trump Tower doorman. Each charge relates to a specific entry in the business records of the Trump Organization. Trump's former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen, paid Daniel's attorney $130,000 out of his own pocket to prevent her from revealing details about a 2006 affair with the then-presidential candidate. The Trump Organization later reimbursed Cohen $420,000 over 12 months, calling them legal fees, with Trump himself signing six of the monthly checks. In the case of McDougal, she received a payment of $150,000 on Trump's behalf from American Media Incorporated, while the doorman, who alleges that Trump fathered a child out of wedlock, received $30,000 from the same source. All of these payments were effectively campaign donations intended to affect the outcome of a federal election. It is alleged that Trump knowingly falsified company documents, which is a state misdemeanor, to cover up another crime— the unrecorded presidential campaign donations, thus converting them into felonies. 
Whether or not Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg can win a conviction on such charges when he has no jurisdiction at the federal level will be tested in court. For his part in the plot, Michael Cohen served 13 and a half months in federal prison after pleading guilty in 2018 to federal charges of tax evasion, fraud, and campaign finance violations. During his defense, Cohen laid the blame squarely on Trump, and he's likely to be a key witness for the prosecution, despite being a convicted perjurer. Now, as sitting presidents cannot be indicted, the federal government closed the case on Trump's role in all of this during his term of office. However, then-Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance opened a state investigation into the falsification of company records, which was inherited by the newly elected District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's also a Democrat. Now, Bragg seemed inclined to drop the whole thing, but after pressure in liberal circles mounted, he convened a grand jury and brought charges. After arriving at the New York courthouse in downtown Manhattan, Trump was formally arrested and fingerprinted before hearing the charges against him, a humiliating experience for someone obsessed with never being seen as a loser, although a politically useful one from his point of view. The next in-person hearing in New York is not scheduled until December 4th, so if Trump's attorneys cannot stop the case before then, we may well see Trump put on trial, a process that could drag well into the 2024 presidential campaign. Upon leaving the courthouse, Trump's lead lawyer, Joe Tacopina, immediately began the spin campaign. So, you know, it's, it's uh, shocking to me that a state prosecutor would try and prosecute something as thin as this and prosecute a violation of federal election laws when they're state prosecutors, which further enhances the position we've taken all along that this is a political persecution, political prosecution, and the weaponization of the justice system, which honestly makes me ill. It should now, as the adage goes, a grand jury would indict a ham sandwich. All that is needed for an indictment by a grand jury is a simple majority. But a unanimous decision is required to convict, and the jurors must be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that a crime has been committed. So the case against Trump is by no means a slam dunk, but it's unlikely the New York establishment would risk filing charges in such a high-profile case if they didn't think they were on a solid footing. Now, if Trump is exonerated, it would further bolster his credentials among his supporters. But even if he is convicted, he would be seen by millions as a martyr, with his prophecy about political persecution and a rigged system coming true. In typical Trump fashion, he played the victim card, lashing out against the liberal establishment when the indictment was first announced, declaring on Twitter, This is political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history. I believe this witch hunt will backfire massively on Joe Biden. The American people realize exactly what the radical left Democrats are doing here. Everyone can see it. So our movement and our party, united and strong, will first defeat Alvin Bragg, then we will defeat Joe Biden, and we are going to throw every last one of these crooked Democrats out of office so we can make America great again. Others, like Tucker Carlson, also rallied to his defense, saying that this is probably not the best time to give up your AR-15. And I think most people know that. Oh, Conveniently, this served to deflect attention away from yet another revival of the gun control debate in the aftermath of the mass shooting in Nashville. After returning to Mar-a-Lago from the arraignment, Trump spoke to a small crowd of USA chanting supporters. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. After referring to the allegedly stolen 2020 election and President Biden, he added, favor Because our country is going to hell. 
During the hearing, the presiding judge, Juan Merchan, did not issue a gag order on Trump, but he did request that both Trump and the prosecution tamp down the personal attacks. He said, please refrain from making comments or engaging in conduct that has the potential to incite violence, create civil unrest, or jeopardize the safety or well-being of any individuals. True to form, however, Trump went straight into attack mode after the hearing, launching personal attacks on Judge Merchant and District Attorney Bragg. Now, Trump has made a career of stymieing investigations of all types. He has never before faced criminal charges and even survived two presidential impeachments. After his panicked tweets about an imminent arrest on March 21st came to naught, he apparently believed the indictment would not come at all and even joked about golden handcuffs. Given his lifelong success in evading consequences, he seems to have conflated public relations and social media with the law. But as Al Capone, John Gotti, and El Chapo all found out, the arm of the law is long, and even the luckiest of streaks eventually run out. Unfortunately for Trump, the charges he faces in New York may be the least of his worries. According to Democratic Party insiders, an indictment for election interference in Georgia is likely in early May, and potential federal charges related to Trump's role in the January 6th assault on the Capitol and his retention of classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago residence may yet be pending. As we've explained before, the various legal cases against Trump constitute an organic response by the more prudent representatives of capitalism to remove this rogue element as a political factor. Contrary to the ravings of some on the far right, this is not an Illuminati-esque conspiracy by the deep state. But there is clearly a push by Democratic partisans at different levels aimed at stopping Trump from winning a second term in the White House. Although Trump is a capitalist himself, his intransigent individualism is a liability, and the vast majority of his class wants to remove him from the political equation, including many in the GOP. From the point of view of most of the ruling class, Trump's term in office was a dangerous example of an American presidency gone haywire. Over and over, he broke the norms and put his own interests above the interests of the system as a whole. This was particularly true regarding the transfer of power to Biden. The ruling class needs to show Trump and others who might consider this path that they will not tolerate such behavior. The justice system regularly turns a blind eye to white-collar crimes like those Trump is accused of. Indeed, during his half-century-long career in real estate, Trump no doubt committed many such crimes without ever facing any legal consequences. But now an example must be made of him as a warning to those who want to play the game but insist on defying the capitalists' collective rules. This is not about equality under the law, as there is no such thing in a society divided into classes. This is about reminding the politicians, even a former president, who really runs the country. As is well known, Trump has a hard core of do-or-die supporters who will back him no matter what. But 15 years after 2008, most Americans are tired of the constant instability of life under capitalism. Trump equals chaos, and for many, Trump's latest legal woes may have been a tipping point. As CNN put it, this is merely the latest in an exhausting saga pushing the nation to the point of exhaustion and deepening its polarization. A poll conducted by CNN ahead of his arraignment found that 60% of Americans approve of the indictment, even though three-quarters said politics played at least some role, with 52% saying it played a major role. In the run-up to the indictment, Trump warned of potential death and destruction if he were to be charged. 
After the George Floyd mass uprising and the Trumpite shenanigans on January 6th, the state was taking no chances and the 35,000 strong NYPD was heavily mobilized. However, other than scattered threats of violence against Alvin Bragg and others closely involved in the prosecution, the authorities found nothing approximating the overt coordination of protests seen in the weeks before January 6th. Over 1,000 people who entered the Capitol or breached its grounds on that day have been charged with crimes so far, which has had a deterring effect. As a result, some of Trump's most virulent past supporters had no interest in rallying behind him this time. According to the New York Times, one person close to Mr. Trump, who asked not to be identified out of a desire not to anger him, said the former president was likely to be disappointed by the actual result of his call to protest. Most people, the person said, felt, quote, bitten by the arrests after the January 6th riot and Mr. Trump's lack of assistance with financial aid. Because of this, Jesse Kelly, a syndicated right-wing radio host, urged supporters to stay away from any protests, declaring that Trump's abandonment of the January 6th rioters is, quote, abuse of his followers and I despise it. Ali Alexander, a key organizer of the Stop the Steal rallies that preceded the events at the Capitol, also discouraged supporters from going to New York, tweeting that prudence is a virtue. And even the fanatical conspiracy theorist Alex Jones declined to show up to support the Donald. However, even though the most zealous layers of his base did not mobilize, Trump still has an iron grip on significant swaths of the Republican rank and file. So as it fights to reestablish control of the party, the establishment must balance carefully, and whether they like Trump or not, they have to snap to attention and pick a side. Senator Ted Cruz called the indictment a catastrophic escalation in the weaponization of the justice system. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy says he will investigate Alvin Bragg. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis called the charges un-American, vowing that his state would not assist in extradition proceedings against his rival. The fact that Trump's eight-point lead over DeSantis jumped to 26 points after the indictment might have played a part in his calculations. Others, however, most notably Senate Republican Mitch McConnell, let Trump twist in the wind on the day he was arraigned and commented in an interview instead on Finland's accession to NATO. Any press may not always be good press, but the indictment has put Trump squarely in the headlines after a relatively low visibility start to his 2024 campaign, and it helped him raise $4 million within 24 hours. As Maggie Haberman of the New York Times put it, the indictment has become Trump's running mate. And as one Republican pundit said, the Democrats merely succeeded in handing Trump the Republican primary. Now, the primaries are far from over, so it's hard to say this far in advance what's going to happen, but some people speculate that the Democrats actually want Trump to win the nomination. They think Trump himself would be easier to beat in 2024 than a Trumpism without Trump candidate like DeSantis, who has less overt personal baggage. The Republican primaries and caucuses always tack further to the right, so candidates must appeal to the more rabid elements needed to win the nomination while looking ahead to winning swing voters in the so-called center in the general election. If Trump does win the nomination despite the forces arrayed against him, the Democrats will hope the distraction and negative press over this and other potential cases would shave off just enough votes to ensure them a margin of victory in the undemocratic electoral college. Such are the wild and wonderful twists and turns of American capitalism in its epoch of rotten ripe decay, with unprecedented events and political crises lurking around every corner. The proceedings against Trump will serve as an accelerant in the so-called culture wars 
further intensifying the distorted polarization in American society. It will be used by both parties to cut across the class polarization that is organically emerging on the basis of the grinding economic crisis. Many perilous streams are converging as we approach the 2024 elections, and with another economic crisis looming, the ruling class is caught between a rock and a hard place. Anything they do to re-establish economic equilibrium will upset the political and social equilibrium, and vice versa. In this context, having a narcissist sociopath as a viable presidential candidate is unhelpful for the regime, to say the least. And if this is their response to a right-wing billionaire defender of capitalism, just imagine what they'll do in the future to a class-independent candidate mobilizing the working class to fight for socialism. It should be pretty clear by now that there is a deep crisis in confidence in the institutions of bourgeois rule. In fact, only 3 in 10 people polled feel the indictment strengthens U.S. democracy. But getting Trump out of the picture will be easier said than done. Even if they succeed, it could unleash unforeseen and potentially even more disastrous consequences. For example, if Trump is scorned by his current party, who's to say he wouldn't launch an independent campaign, siphoning off swarms of disgruntled voters from both parties and eviscerating the Republican Party in the process? Trump may be an utter reactionary and enemy of the working class, but Marxists must have no confidence whatsoever in bourgeois justice or the Democrats. Trumpism and liberalism are two sides of the same capitalist coin. We must not fall into the liberal cheerleading of those who proclaim this is a victory for justice and the rule of law. Sure, on paper, no one is above the law, but as every poor person knows, this dictum is applied very differently to those with wealth and power and those without. It's the organic decline of American capitalism that produced Trumpism in the first place. Unless and until that system is overthrown, the polarization and chaos currently represented by this phenomenon will only continue and deepen. But let's be clear, the reason working class issues are not front and center in the political debate today rests largely with the class collaborationist labor leaders and the so-called left. Had they broken decisively with the Democrats and launched a mass class independent workers party in 2016 or earlier, the political landscape and national debate would be entirely different. Trump's demagogic appeal to large numbers of angry working class voters would be deeply undermined and both capitalist parties would have their backs against the wall. So this is why we say once again, only socialism beats Trump and Trumpism. Only the socialist revolution and the coming to power of a workers' government can lay the basis for a world of genuine equality and justice for all. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks as always to Laura Brown, our audiovisual producer, whose hard work behind the scenes makes these episodes possible. If you liked what you heard today, please share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating, which will help other listeners find us. Or consider making a donation to the International Marxist Tendency or subscribing to Socialist Revolution magazine. Better yet, why not join the IMT and bring these ideas to your family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers? You can learn more about the IMT and about getting involved at socialistrevolution.org. Stay healthy and safe, and keep fighting the good fight, the fight for socialism in our lifetime. Oh,